getting things ready here. Got all my instruments. You got to have instruments this day and time. But uh, I want to uh, work. Uh, I want to start a teaching on the Lord's Supper concerning the healing of our bodies. And in this, there's a lot of principles throughout the Word of God that promote healing. And in the, the so if we will start applying the principles of God's word, then our our flesh body responds to the principles of God's word. And just to give you a little example before I get started here, uh, about a year ago, I had a lady come in and and I was showing her a lot of things about the physical body and she said, my mind just runs away with me. I get anxious about everything. She said, and I, I'll wake up at night and I'm worried about every little thing that comes along, just so anxious I can't go back to sleep. And she said, if you could just help me understand what I need to do. So I, uh, I told her, I said, well, I said, take the word of God and memorize a few verses of it. And when you wake up, start quoting that. She said, well, what should I memorize? I said, memorize Philippians 4, 6 through 9. She said, well, what does it say? I said, well, it says, be anxious for but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. I said, now when you come to that part, start asking God to help you. I said, asking is very important. And so I said, let your request be made known to God. And I said, guess what happened? She said, what? I said, then the peace that passes all understanding. I said, now listen real close. I said, that peace will wrap his arms around you because that peace is a person. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I said, now you got that far. I said, one other thing you got to do. She said, well, what's that? I said, verse eight says you got to start taking control of those thoughts and you got to think on things that are honest and true, things that are lovely, things that are good report. And when you think on these things, not only does it have a common effect, but your thoughts send out frequencies, and those frequencies activate genes within your DNA, and now you start becoming what you think. And when you speak that word and you think that word, you are becoming, your flesh becomes the word of God. So, now that was about a year ago. So she come back just the other day and, and I was talking to her. I said, well, how you doing? She said, well, I put those principles to work. I memorized those scriptures and I started putting it to work. And she said, you know what? It helped me so much 
I just went ahead and memorized the whole book of Philippians. I said, yeah. She said, and that helped me so much, I just went ahead and memorized the whole book of Ephesians. And she said, and that helped me so much, I think, well, I'm just going to memorize the whole New Testament. And she said, I'm halfway through Matthew right now. She's getting that word because it works. Principles of healing. So when we put these principles to work, our body can heal. Well, in the Lord's Supper, there's healing. So I want us to look at this. So let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And it says, now, I get to talking a lot, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold close to my notes so we can get out of here by 2 o'clock, okay? <laughs> All right. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-two says, For I have received of the Lord that which I... Now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. He said... For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Man, that's very important. This Lord's table, listen, is life or death. Life or death decision. Very important. Everybody say life Life. or death. death. I choose. choose. All right. Why are you going to choose? Woo, I like it. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had supped, he's got to be from Alabama. When he had supped, I'll let you, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this, ye as oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Now then, let's go to Genesis 9. So God created the heavens and the earth and he made a man and he put man in the garden of Eden and man was to eat the fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains. And when God said what he was to eat, he didn't mention anything about meats till he got to Genesis 9. And this is after the flood. And God says, all right, now I'm gonna let you start eating meats. So they went all this time Following God's word, they went all this time not eating meats. All right. And then in Genesis 9, he says, God speaking to Noah, he says, everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its life blood still in it. 
and for your lifeblood I will surely demand an accounting. Go on up to Leviticus 17, 11 through 12. Now, Moses giving, God gave the laws to Moses, and Moses is giving the law to the people. And in Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding, your forgiveness. Father, we thank you for your blood, and we thank you for life, that we can use that life and and be ministers in this earth to all your people. And we ask it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. Therefore I say unto the children of Israel, no soul of you shall eat blood, Neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. Now, why would God do that? Why would God say not to eat blood? Life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, when you eat the blood, and I could take you into all the chemistry of the blood and all this, but when you eat the blood of anything, Like if that animal was killed and he got afraid, the stress hormones are released into the blood. Now, if you eat that blood, you take on the life of that animal and you get stressed because that stress hormone is in that blood. If whoever's raising the animal injects hormones into it, then those hormones that's in that animal come into you and they affect your life. Now you're taking on the life of that animal because the life of the flesh is in the blood. When we take in that blood, we take on that life. And God didn't want them taking on the life of other animals and things, so he said don't eat it because God was looking out for the children of Israel. Does that make sense? All right. Now, blood had a lot of other uses too. Go to the next slide. Bloodshed. It was the shed blood upon the altar of a spotless animal which brought about the atonement or covering for sin. So, when, when we sin, go down a couple of more verses there. One more. One more. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is? All right, so when we sin, death has to happen. Death has to happen because of sin. All right, so blood could cover your sins for a period of time. So the children of Israel would take an animal 
Well, actually, they would take a lamb, a little baby lamb, perfect lamb, prettiest little lamb in the whole bunch. And they'd bring that little lamb into their home and they would keep it and nourish it and take care of it for three days. Now, you know what happens in three days with a little lamb like that? What? You fall in love with it. Prettiest little lamb. And at three days, everybody had to go before God. And when they went before God, something had to die. Because he's a righteous judge. And that righteous judge for sin comes death. That's a law. So they would take that little lamb and take it to the priest and they would cut its throat and the life of that little lamb would spill out on the altar and covering your sins. It, it became a substitute for your sins. And that blood was spilled out on the altar and it it made you sinless for a whole year. And every year, everybody had to go before God to be judged. You know, everybody talks about all the different paths in this world lead to God. I don't doubt that. I mean, I think they lead to God. But how many wants to go in before God, the righteous judge, and you don't have a substitute? Guess what happens? It ain't pretty. Because he's a righteous judge. For sin comes death. So when we go before God, we want to have a substitute, a righteous substitute, where the blood has been spilled out and that will actually not just cover our sins, but will redeem us. So the blood of Jesus would redeem, but the blood of animals would just cover it for a period of time. So go back to the Lord's Supper now. In the verse, next one there. All right. Verse 26 says, For as oft as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you, shall, you show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. Now, how many English majors we got in here? All right, if you diagram that sentence, 29, if you diagram that, the word unworthily is what? Adjective, noun, pronoun, adverb. An adverb modifies an action. 
An adjective modifies a noun. So this unworthily modifies an action. Not discerning the Lord's body. So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, not discerning the Lord's body, we bring sickness. And maybe even death. So we want to be sure we're discerning the Lord's body. And we got to examine ourselves that we're doing that. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. All right, let's say that again. Say, everybody say, if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. All right, that's a good point. But if we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the Lord, with the world. So at the Lord's Supper, we are either judged by a righteous judge or we judge ourselves. Okay? Which you think would be better? All right, let's say sick. All right. We either get sickness or healing. Life or death, we choose by the way we partake. All right, now, so we want to discern the Lord's body. Go to the next slide. All right, you can't really tell what it looks like there, but that body is covered with blood. Now, just what do you see in this Discern, this is the body of the Lord at, at crucifixion. So what do you see? We've got to discern the Lord's body. You see the flesh that was beaten for our healing. You see the blood that was spilled out for our atonement, for our redemption that washed away all of our sins. You see a substitute lamb. The law of substitution in Leviticus. You see all that in discerning the Lord's body. So, when we discern the Lord's body and we come before the, we present ourselves to God to be judged. He's my substitute because I'm discerning his body, his blood. He's my substitute. Now God looks at him and I say, well, now that should be me. That's me. And because he was willing and he was spotless, and he was willing to do this. Now I take on his life. And now I can stand before God by the blood of the Lamb. And God now, 
By doing that, I'm judging myself in his place. And because that body took those stripes, I can take healing. And because that body took my death, I can live. All right, now, that's discerning the Lord's body here, but now we've got to discern the body of the Lord. So now when I look at you, blood, I look at y'all with blood. So I see the blood of Jesus. All right, so judgment. Go to the next scripture or next. There you go. All right, so I want, I want to get a few points across and I want to use some scriptures for that. So I'm going to try to hurry through these. But I want you to see that God is a righteous judge. Also, I want you to see that when we come to the Lord's Supper, we are presenting ourselves and our families to God for judgment. Just like all the children of Israel did every year, they would go for them to be, they'd go to Passover to be judged. It was judgment. So we have a right on how to be judged here. If we judge ourselves, we won't be judged with the world. All right, so, and we're gonna go before a righteous judge. So in 1 Samuel 2, 6, it says, the Lord killeth and maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave and bring up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And he has set the world upon them. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and he shall give strength unto the king and and exalt the horn of his anointed. In Job 5.18 it says, For he maketh sore and bindeth up. He woundeth and his hands maketh whole. Deuteronomy 28, coming right out of the, Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses. Deuteronomy 28, 22, the Lord shall smite thee with consumption. Everybody ever heard of asthma? Consumption. Emphysema. And will, and with a fever. And with the inflammation, the Lord will smite thee. And this is for people that don't operate under the blessings. These blessings are curses. And the Lord shall smite thee with the botch of Egypt. You really don't want that. And with the hemorrhoids. I won't even go into that part. (laughs) And the Lord shall smite. So God has a perfect will and a Permissive will. I want you to see something that language, go on to the next. Language attributes directly to God what he merely permits. And in uh, Exodus 12, the Passover scriptures, God told Moses to get a lamb and they were to roast that lamb and to eat every bite of it, it all of it, head, ears, and all. 
And they were to take the blood and put the blood over the doorpost and the lentils of the house. And God says, verse 12 says, for I will pass through the lamb. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. So I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. But this blood was a token. Verse 23 of Exodus 12, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door. Now listen real close. And will not suffer the destroyer to come in to your house to smite you. So God is not doing, God's got a law. Who determines how this judgment goes? We do. So if we operate in those laws, then God can hold back the destroyer. If we don't, he can't because God is righteous. He's got laws and the accuser of the brethren know the laws and he says, God, the law says this and he broke that law and you gotta give me access to him. So God said, here, now the law come down, firstborn's gonna die. But blood, the life of the flesh was in the blood. And those that put the blood over their doorpost, the destroyer, the accuser of the brethren could not enter to bring, to kill, steal, and destroy. In, uh, in Judges 2.14, it says, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of the spoiler that spoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. This is judgment. The enemies were able to overcome them. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, it says, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This is judgment being passed, being turned over into the hands of the enemy for the destruction or judgment. There is a righteous judge. In First uh, Timothy 1.20, of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Well, I think it'd be nice not to blaspheme, wouldn't it? Woo. Judgment's being passed. Hey, this is New Testament stuff. We're living in New Testament stuff right now. And we're talking about individuals being judged. In the, in the Living Bible, it says, Lamentations uh, 3.31, for the Lord does not abandon anyone forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion according to the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not, 
enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. All right. Second uh, Peter three nine says the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many? All. So God is merciful. It grieves God to have to judge His children. So if it grieves Him. To judge you, why does he do it? You said it. Because he's a righteous judge of all the earth. So, look at this. God sent his prophets and the children of Israel killed them. God warned the children of Israel not to worship idols but they were offering their children, burning them up on the altars of these idols. Now, is that bad or what? We wouldn't do that, would we? What do they do with all these aborted babies? Somebody think about it. Burn them. Incinerate them. It took years before God judged them. But he judged them because they would not judge themselves. So it's a good thing to judge yourself, right? For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. It's a good thing not to get judged, isn't it? God, the righteous judgment, passed judgment, allowing the destroyer access. He does not do it willingly, but he tells us how to prevent it. Judge your brother, right? Huh? Not judge yourself. Now, there's not even brother judging going on, right? Because <laughs> that's a sure-fired way to get judged. We need to judge ourselves. <clears throat> so, righteous judges God. So, how do we keep from being judged? Judge myself. How do we get judged? That's a good thought. How do we judge ourselves? Let's look at that. If we get judged, we pay the price. So we have a high court of heaven demonstrated in the Bible, and we can look behind the scenes of a court. So when we come before the Lord's Supper, we're entering into a courtroom. We got a judge. We got two attorneys. One of them's the accusing you, and the other one's your advocate. All right. So 
So in Job 1 1, it says, There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters in the high court of heaven. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. And he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. And I would say so, because it takes a lot, of, lot to keep up that many animals. All right. But everybody's got to go before God to be judged on a regular basis. It's always been. One day, the sons of God, how many sons of God we got in here? All right. We're sons of God by the blood of the Lamb. All right. One day, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan, the accuser, came with them. Verse 7 says, And where have you come from? The Lord Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord. I've been going back and forth across the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. A man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, Job fears God, but not without good reason. You have always protected him in his home and his property from harm. You have made him prosperous in everything he does. Look how rich he is. You know, a lot of people say, don't be saying that, you'll make the devil mad. You start talking about something, and I, I hear a lot of people, you don't, want to, you don't want to make the devil mad by saying something good. Well, he's mad anyway, so he might as well go on. He's going back looking at every little thing that's going on, trying to get something against you, and he'll use anything he can. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour just anybody. He has to have legal access. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and destroy, but he cannot come without permission. Judgment must be passed to allow the destroyer access. But Jesus said, But I've come that they may have life and have that life more abundantly. So we must choose life. Back to the high court of heaven. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? He's saying, You've set your heart on my servant Job, Now, Job sounded like a real good guy, didn't he? But he had a little problem. 
And I'm going to tell you what the problem is, and we'll see it as we go on. But he thought he was a real good guy, too. And he was. So when we come before God, even if we've accomplished a lot, we don't come on our own merits. We come before God by discerning the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter gets judged in Luke. Look, look at this. Luke twenty-two thirty-one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, Jesus could have stepped in and said, but I'm not going to let him do it. But he couldn't because Satan got a judgment against Peter. And Peter said, you know, Peter says, Lord, I won't deny you. I won't do it. But the Satan come against him and sifted him. But anybody watch The Son of God, the movie? All right, if, when you watch, we went and watched it the other night, last night, night before last, sometime anyway. Uh, and when they go through the crucifixion and Jesus is raised, Peter comes back and it's like a light goes off and he runs and grabs the bread and he tears it. Look, this is what it's all about. And drunk the blood the flesh of the Lord Jesus and the blood said he done it for us and he it's just like a revelation come off and he was back so Jesus said but I pray for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren and that's exactly what they demonstrated in that movie so operation of the accuser so we get a rare chance to see behind the scenes of the operation of judgment of the high court of heaven. The accuser of the brother knows the law and how to use it and to get access to you. Satan accuses Job in the areas of his heart. Satan got a case. Now God was bragging on Job. Said he's the finest man in all the earth of complete integrity he fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan replied, yes, Job fears God, but not without reason. Satan gets a judgment. Job is turned over to Satan, who will still kill and destroy if he can. And Satan is allowed access. And, he said, and Job says, the Lord gave me everything I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. But then they got to come up before God again to be judged. One day the sons of God came again to present themselves before the Lord and Satan the accuser came with them. God says, where have you come from? And the Lord asked Satan, and Satan answered the Lord, I've been going back and forth across the earth watching everything that's going on. Satan wins another case. He said, but take away his health and he will surely 
curse you to your face. And Job 9, 32. All right, now Job starts complaining a little bit and you start seeing his true colors come out. Job said, God is not fair. 9.32, God is not a mortal like me. So I cannot argue with him to, to take him to trial. He said, he said, I hadn't done anything. If only there was a mediator who could bring us together, but there is none. The mediator could make God stop beating me and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. He's learning now, isn't he? Job thinks he's righteous. Job 11.10, if God comes along and puts a person in prison or if he calls the court to order, who's going to stop him? 1621, I love this part. Oh, that someone would mediate between God and me as a person mediates between friends. Job is saying God does not know how hard it is to be a man. He became a man, look what happened to him. He probably knows now, doesn't he? (laughs) Hung him on a cross. Job says, I need help. If only God knew what it's like to be a man. I need someone to plead my case. Does anybody know someone like this? Anybody? All right. You got somebody to plead your case? Go to 1 John 2, 1. It says, Christ is our advocate. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one that pleases God completely. He is the sacrifice for our sins, and he takes away not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So we got all these legal terms. Intercession, advocate, mediator. So what is a righteous judge? One who will do right and sometimes he will pass judgment that does not please him because it is the right thing to do. The righteous judge will pass judgment that do and do not please him. He will not prevent justice for anyone. We must learn to judge ourselves or we will have to, or he will have to judge us. Now, how do we judge ourselves? So we got to, we got to go to the Revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Jesus was revealed in one of the books, and it's Revelations. 
Revelation is the revealing of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he is for us. And in Revelations twelve nine and the great dragon was cast out. <clears throat> that old serpent called the devil and Satan, <clears throat> which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God, day and night. So Satan is accusing you day and night before God. And if he can get a judgment against you, the righteous judge will have to pass judgment. And for this cause, many are sick. And even die because we don't discern the Lord's body. So we judge ourselves by discerning the Lord's body, and here's what we do we come in to present ourselves to God to be judged. All right, so we got the accuser of the brethren. Every time we go to the Lord's table, the accuser of the brethren comes up here too. He's trying to see what he can get against you. And But we got an advocate. And the judge, <clears throat> the judge is up here and he says, all right, what do you plea? Now, if you go into any courtroom in this United States and you walk up before the judge and you got the accusing attorney and you got your attorney and you say, Judge, I'm guilty. What just happened? You judged yourself. And that righteous judge says, wham, 30 days in jail or a year in jail or 10 years of work labor because you judged yourself. He has to pass judgment. But if we walk in and we talk to our advocate and our advocate says, only say the things I tell you to say. Only do the things I tell you to do and you'll be all right. And he says, and they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb. So when you go in there, apply that blood of the lamb. And then because of that blood of the lamb, what is the word of your testimony? Innocent. 
healed, justified by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb, I'm sinless because of that substitute that took my sins and he took my life, now I take his life. But then I've got to die to myself. I can't live my own life. I've got to live the life of the Lord Jesus. So they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. All right, we've got to give you a warning. <clears throat> warning, warning, warning. Satan is trying to get evidence against you and anything you say can and will be used against you. So you got to watch your words. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 12, 36. He said, but I say unto you that... Now see, this is your advocate talking. He said, I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they, sh- they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. When's that day of judgment? Every time we come to the Lord's table, we're coming for judgment. You want to know what it's going to be like at the judgment day of Christ? That's every day we come to the Lord's table. Innocent, healed, righteous by the blood of the Lamb. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So Jesus is our advocate, our attorney. He's never lost a case if you'll do what he says. So the judge, plea, the judge says, what's your plea? And if we say guilty, we get judgment. But the law of atonement, Leviticus 16 says, a substitute could take our place. So we got to use this substitute. In Hebrews 3, 1, it says, Therefore, holy brother and partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 said, seeing then that we have a great high priest. I'm bragging on Jesus. See then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. So we can't be like Job. They, God, they don't know what we're going through. They don't know what it's like to be a man. Jesus knows it all. Probably worse than what we'll ever know. Because he would done it for us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need discerning the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what he did, he's the substitute so that we can go boldly. 
before the throne of God. Now, anybody that wants to go around Jesus, it's up to you. You can choose life or death if you want to. But as for me and my house, we're going through Jesus because it's a lot easier that way. All right. Satan never stops. Tomorrow's a new day. So we come up here today, but he's still going to and fro, trying to get a judgment against you. So how do we judge ourselves? By the blood of the lamb. We're innocent, free, healed, worthy, righteous, justified, just as if we'd never sinned. Eating and drinking of that body and blood worthily. Discerning the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 10, 38, I love this too. It said, Acts 10, 38, says, No doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we, apostles, are witnesses of all he did throughout Israel and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by crucifying him, but God raised him to life three days later. Then God allowed him to appear not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen beforehand to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is ordained of God to be the judge of all the living and dead. Now Jesus is our judge. Blessed. Blessed his holy name. Life of the flesh is in the blood. Somebody say the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now we want to take on his life. So what we got to do to take his life? We got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we take on the life of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just love you for what you've done for us. Father, I just ask now that your anointing power come upon this congregation of people, your body, and let these bodies receive your life and let healing take place throughout this body, throughout this entire city, throughout this world because of what you've done. Let us discern your body here today and let us receive your life and your freedom and your salvation because you've done it for us and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Pastor.